<clears throat> I titled it Justification Bundles. Now, we are entering a new section of the book of Romans, and I was telling a friend yesterday, I'm like, we're now in the easy section of the book of Romans. And he looked at me like I was crazy. What do you mean it's the easy section? There's chapter 6, 7, 8, 9. Uh, there's so much discussion and arguments over it. I said it's easy because once we get through with chapter 4, once we get through with chapter 4, the apostle has presented this powerful gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that says, you are without excuse. All of humanity is without excuse. Everyone who has been born on planet Earth is without excuse. There is no hope unless Christ is yours. And, and so when he gets to chapter 3, and we spent several weeks on chapter 3, you, you have chapter 1, the wrath of God is revealed. The apostle says, you wonder what's going all wrong in this world? You wonder why you can't get along? You wonder why pets are much easier to be around than some of your family? The wrath of God is being revealed because mankind has turned their back on him. And not only do they turn their back on him, they've, they've encouraged others to do the same. And so he builds all of that. And then when we get to chapter 3, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest. So God has revealed his wrath and all that is wrong and fallen in the world. He has revealed his wrath. In chapter 3, the Son of God comes and is a revelation. We, we see everything in Jesus that is righteous and pure and holy and such a gift for us who wonder, what does it look like? What is it going to look like when, when, when I am completely cleansed and glorified? What is the righteousness? What is the law of God? What does it look like in a person? He says, oh, but now, Romans and all of us, uh, Christ has been revealed. God has shown us. And so then the obvious next question is, how can that be mine? All right, and so in chapter 3, he ends with this just amazing promise that, that the righteousness of God, what, what we want on our record, what we'd want to walk into the courtroom of God and say, here's my case I'm presenting to you, O God. He says, that, that case of Christ can be yours through faith. Through faith? You, you, you mean it is as simple as believing and surrendering to Christ? To saying, uh, I'm not going to stand before you, God, as a good mother, as a good father, as a great businessman. I'm, I'm going to stand before God Almighty as if Christ has wrapped himself around me and say, look at this. And, and, I, and I get that by faith. Amazing. So that for me is the hard part. When we get to chapter 5, he is now saying, if you are justified, okay, that's that churchy word we use, justified. We would say saved. <laughs> if you are justified, it's a legal term. That means I, I am not going to be held accountable or punished for my sins. In fact, it's even better than that. I don't have just a slate that is clean. I, I will be treated as though I have earned the righteousness of Jesus. And so he is going to, from this point on, he is going to refer to that. He is going to say, this is the context of all of God's promises in Romans 8. 
All right, and so you know that I'm huge on context, and one of the reasons is we don't get to chapter 5 without those first four chapters. We don't get to say to somebody we just meet, oh, don't worry, all things work together for good. They have no idea what that means. Their idea of good means, sweet, I'm going to get better. Sweet, I'm going to work things out with this person. Sweet, I'm going to get a new car. Right? We don't, we don't go there, and it's just it's not right. It's actually quite cruel for a Christian to say, here are all the promises of God that you need to take a hold of if you've not gone through those first chapters. So what we see, and why I say it's easy, is because it's wonderful. Right? We're only going to look at the first two verses this morning of chapter 5. I'm going to read all 11 because it's a section, and I want you to notice a couple things when I read um, these verses. I want you to notice uh, how he refers to since we have been justified by faith. So the apostle is going to say uh, he's changed he's changed pronouns in a good way from you and they to us and we and our. Right? He's like he's talking about them that did this, 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 and now he's saying, but but we and he says it in a past perfect tense have been justified. He's going to treat it as, it is a done deal. It's stamped on you. This is yours. Right? This is, this is yours. And, and so what's flowing out of this is uh, this, this beautiful, multiple blessings of being saved. So look at that when I read it, since we've been justified. The other thing I want you to pick up is how he talks about through him, through him. And, and so in theology, we call that a union with Christ that a believer is united with Christ. And, and so these theological terms have their proof in these and other texts. But every time he says, through him, through him, through the Holy Spirit, we have now been justified. We have now received reconciliation. Having been justified. Um, so take, take note of those things. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. But again, we are going to just spend time this morning on the first two. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses one through 11. It's the word of God. If you are able, please stand for the reading of Holy Scripture. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Isn't that great? Can I see some smiles? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He's given to us for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has a whole volume just on chapter 5. And in his introduction, he says, Sometimes I think that the whole secret of the Christian life is to know how to use the word, therefore. And um, you know the joke, right? If you see the word, therefore, you have to see what it's there for. And um, Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore, he is pinning everything on the truth of the gospel of the substitutionary death of Christ on our behalf, on our being united with Him by faith. He's saying, therefore, this is all true. Therefore, since this is all true, I call this this glorious transition from the wrath of God to the gospel of God, from objects of wrath now to beloved children. This is what we receive. I want to talk about three things quickly, just by way of introduction. First, uh, consequences if you are justified these consequences are yours if you are saved and if you're in christ these blessings are yours you may not feel them you may not even understand them at times but if you're in christ he says these are yours just as certain as the resurrection of christ just as certain as god pouring out his judgment upon christ on our behalf These things are yours. They belong to you. So I call it bundles for this reason. In the early days when you ordered cable TV, you ordered it in bundles. right? And and in the early days, uh, you would watch things and you'd want, oh, I wish I could watch the BBC. right? And I know you all went through that. How do I get to watch Top Gear? right? How can I watch Top Gear? I, I can't. So then you have to go buy a different bundle, right? Um, or you find, like I did, we have the BBC. What? I didn't know we had it. I've been missing Top Gear all of these years. You don't know Top Gear, do you? <laughs> Top Gear. <laughs> do you know in 2013 it, was the, it broke the Guinness Book of World Records as the most watched between 350 to 385 million viewers a week? Just an aside. But some of these things we go through in this bundle are ours. As if our God is saying, you have access, as we were just praying, you have access to God the Father, Creator's ear. You have that. It is yours. You don't earn it by being a really good boy this week. Secondly, reminders, if you haven't been justified, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, if you are not saved, these aren't yours. Your relationship with God is not what Paul will describe in chapters 5 through the rest of the book. And already I've talked about this union of Christ uh, you know, I joke about those red-letter editions. When I printed up my text, I put all the union with Christ text in red letter through Him. These all come through Him. So, this morning's sermon in a sentence is being justified before God. It opens the floodgate to His 
blessings. So if you find in your life you lack some of these blessings that we're going to talk about, um, it is probably that you are still relying upon your good works or your feelings or your surroundings for assurance. Um, Remember, he has said justification, salvation, it is not by works, it is by grace. Um, So let's list these three quickly. First, peace with God. Verse 1 says, we now have peace with God. Because we were justified in Christ, we now have peace with God. It's finished. It was completed. It happened in the past. It's something in the past perfect tense, something that happened that now has consequences today. We call it Good Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday? Because what happened on Good Friday was good for all of us. It was good. It was amazing. It was the fulfillment of God's promise and all the types and the pictures from the Old Testament fulfilled. And it's the good news that Christ was sacrificed, crucified on our behalf. We have peace with God. It's the logical result of the cross. It's what we get because the cross of Christ. We have peace with God. Now that That's an amazing thing. The Almighty, perfectly holy, righteous, knows everything about you. Through Christ, we're at peace with Him. And more importantly, He is at peace with us. Two problems arrive. One, some claim this peace without justification. Do you know that our enemy prowls about and he wants unsaved people to believe that God's default position is one of love and mercy towards you? We need those first four chapters of Romans to remind us that God hates sin much more than we do. And he will punish sin. God's greatest desire is that you would be made right to him and that worship would come from his children. He is not going to withhold his anger and his wrath at evil just for the sake of those who might not ever get it. They're living a life out of accord with what their maker has created them for. They're living a life that is full of confusion and anger, and they are at outright war against God and his people. I find it amazing sometimes when people say, I don't believe in God. Why? Well, look at my life. This has happened, and this has happened, and this has happened. And I often ask, oh, were you serving God when this happened? Well, no. How about when this happened? No. Here's what's amazing. I can talk to a Christian person that has had the exact same things happen. And yet their take is completely different. Their take is, I surrendered myself to a holy God. And though trial has come, the hardship has come, I know that there is purpose. I know that his word has said he disciplines those he loves. That I'm not struggling or this trial hasn't come upon me because Jesus hasn't done enough. I'm struggling and this trial has come upon me because God is maturing me. And we'll get into that next week. I mean, that, that amazing statement that we count suffering as a blessing, right? We'll get there next week. But the problem is, if we claim peace of God, peace with God, 
without justification, we're missing the whole work of Christ and its necessity. Uh, in biblical history, when Josiah, the boy king, when they find the books of the law, they're cleaning out the temple. You know what they're cleaning out of the temple? They're cleaning out of the temple all sorts of evil things, right? We're not the first society to sacrifice children, right? They were sacrificing their children. They were throwing them over the cliffs. They were burning them on the fire, right? That's what they were doing. Josiah says they're cleaning out the temple. And you know what they find? They find the book of the law. You know what Josiah says? Great is God's wrath against us. Great is his wrath against us. Because we and our fathers have broken his law. That's his first response. You know what his second response is? Inquire of the Lord. What can be done? Go inquire of the Lord. Oh, prophets, inquire of the Lord. What can be done? Because God's wrath rests on us. And there's this beautiful conversion, starting with the king. The second problem really is Christians who kind of slump back into that God's mad at me. Uh, God's at war with me. Uh, I've got to keep doing the right thing for him to still love me. And, and we'll talk about this in that second point, but there is this sense that we can believe that God's grace was with me for salvation, you know, because I didn't know any better or whatever. Uh, I became convicted of my sins and and, and he was gracious and he received me. Um, but for me to stay in his good graces, it's all up to me. You don't come to peace with God by your obedience. God doesn't have peace with you um, because of your obedience. He is at peace with you because the definite work of his son. There are times in my life I feel like I could put up with almost anything if I know that Tammy, my wife, is with me. I can put up with almost any kind of suffering or hardship or rebuke, conflict. If just Tammy is with me, how much more so, O believer, to know Christ is with you? How much more so to know God is at peace with you? He has declared his son's work complete. For those in Christ, for those through Christ, he is at peace with you. There will be no peace that surpasses understanding without being at peace with God. His peace with us is more than the DMZ between North and South Korea. It's not a refusal to be close to us. No. His, his peace is removing the wall of hostility and welcoming his children in. Uh, so like I said, it's kind of like a snowball. We're at peace with God. Uh, this second point is that we have access into his grace. Verse 2, we have peace with our Lord, and through him now we have obtained access by faith into his grace. So for spring break, Tammy and I got to go stay at this beautiful farmhouse. I probably told you about this beautiful farmhouse. A friend of mine built in the hills of Missouri. Absolutely gorgeous. You, you come up, it's on a hill. Big, white, big front porch. Huge glass everywhere. A giant elk head in the middle. I mean, the perfect decoration for any home, right? Uh, and, and just sprawling, gorgeous and also everything you want. They were just finishing up their pickleball court that they were putting in there. 
They have a trap for um, trap shooting for archery. This giant machine that throws these discs up in the air, and you're supposed to shoot them with a bow, right? I mean, everything. They've got tons of these little motorcycles that are electric. Me and the boys broke all of them. We have access. There's a gate. We go to the house. We press a button on the door, and it unlocks. Now, it's funny. People were coming because a place like that, there's always something broken, right? So all during the week, somebody's here to fix this. Someone's here to fix that. Someone's here to paint this. Someone's here to repair that, right? And they would all talk to me like it was my place. One guy came up and goes, oh, yeah, I remember when we moved you up here. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah, I do. I was working for a different company, but I moved you up here. I'm like, this ain't my place. He's like, oh, okay, sorry. I just figured it was because you were in there. and You know, um, we have been given access. God says you're given access and standing in my grace. Through him, it's an entrance through Jesus. Um, we are given access into his grace. And don't you love the way that he describes where we are? We're brought into his grace. The Christian is to live by grace. We're not brought in by grace and then given a second chance at keeping the covenant of works. No, we don't disperse the law of God. We see it in a whole different way. We see whenever the law of God convicts me of sin, it's just another way of God's grace getting rooted deeper and deeper into my soul. When His, when His Spirit convicts me of wrongdoing, of thoughts, attitudes, motivations, it's Him saying, I, de I desire to cleanse that from you and to remove its stain and remove its shame and remove its guilt. Um, we have entrance and then we have standing. Our standing is in, of, and through this grace of God. I think we tend to think I'm going to be thrown out if I commit this sin or that sin. So, you know, I told you we broke the motorcycles. We did that last year. And so every year when we come to this place to stay for a week or so, I always go to the big toy room, huge barn, which is full of toys. And I'm like, what new toys do we have? Uh, there was all kinds of new, like, retro video games, um, foosball, ping pong, pool, all that kind of stuff. Even air hockey, what a waste of money. But, um, you know, all that stuff is, is there. I, I go look at the little electric carts, and half of them are still broken. I go out to the patio, and there's, there's just a bit of trash out there. There's some cans left, you know. There's a cooler that wasn't emptied. There's leaves in the hot tub. The Traeger grill has been blown over. You know why? Because his kids were there before us. Right? Kuipers leave. We're like, you know, Mrs. Kuiper, right? You can, you can, have, you can, commit, you can do surgery in Mrs. Kuiper's car. It's so clean. Right? Kuipers leave. We're like, make sure. Don't break anything, boys. Make sure and let's leave this place spotless. Let's take out the trash. Let's take, let's take out things that aren't ours. Let's fix things that were kind of a mess so we don't get blamed for them. You know why? Because we want to be invited back. Kid doesn't care about it, right? Kid says, oh, whatever, someone will get that. It's not like my dad's not going to let me come back to the farmhouse, right? And I just want to tell you that sometimes that's the, that is the mindset we have with being in the kingdom of God. He says, 
You're my children. He defines that term. I have adopted you, sons and daughters. You're my children. What do children do? They take advantage of their parents. Kids, if you haven't, you will. You will. You'll try to get as much as you can. <laughs> You'll leave your room a mess, you know. Uh, there's a, there's, <laughs> I got to tell you this. Uh, my, one of my good friends that I discipled is the pastor of the church we were at in St. Louis. And he has this story. He was a youth in my youth group. And we used to borrow vans, right? I know Jake has borrowed some of your cars to go to trips and stuff like that. I don't know how he leaves them when he gives them to you. I hope it's good and it's nice. Um, but we would borrow vans and we'd take them on trips, right? So his son, for spring break, said, Dad, can I borrow the van? And he's like, sure, son. You know, you can, you can borrow the family van. His son comes home. <laughs> his son comes home. And he had driven over, you know those concrete things in the parking lot that kind of keep you from going over into the next parking spot? The little concrete things are about this high, right? He'd driven over one of those with the minivan and torn the spare tire off underneath, right? And so he, he comes home, and his dad's an elder in the church and a good friend of mine still. He comes home, and he's a 19-year-old in college, had a great weekend or week with his buddies, he returns the keys to dad, and he goes, oh, yeah, dad, uh, the um, spare tire came off in a parking lot, one of those concrete things. Uh, I, I went and got some rope, and it's, I tied it to the top of the car. Now, this is the great part. Dad, you can keep the rope. <laughs> when he told me that, I, I just died laughing, and here's this 19-year-old looking at me going, why is that funny? I'm like, why is that funny? Oh, man, you'll know one day why that's so funny. Dad, I'm leaving you the rope. I'm a good son. I wrecked your, I wrecked your wife's car, but I, uh, yeah, I'm leaving you the rope, Dad. Right? That's how a child acts. Why? Because they're secure in relationship. They're secure. He's my father. I know he loves me. I know that I will not be rejected because Christ was rejected. Christ took the punishment of all that I've done, even the things I'm completely unaware of, even the time when I walk into the throne room of God and say, hey God, you can keep the rope. And we think we've done him some great favor. We have access, entrance, standing. In Matthew 22, there's an illustration there. Jesus talks about the wedding feast. In a few moments, we'll partake of the bread and the cup. This is just a small way of us being all reminded and us, uh, our souls being uh, filled and, and the means of grace being applied to us through the eating and the drinking. But what we're moving towards as Christian people is a wedding feast. The wedding feast of the Lamb, Matthew 22, Jesus is explaining it. And he says in the, in the feast, there was a man that wasn't wearing the right clothes. And he was ushered out. Uh, for those in Christ, the right clothes is Christ. The right clothes, what we wear that allows us the keypad, what we wear that allows us to break the four-wheelers and leave trash uh, is Christ. Our gospel is not a gospel of second chances. It is a gospel of adoption and justification. Lastly, this third 
benefit of justification is that we get to rejoice in hope. In the midst of a Nashville shooting, that was one of the churches in our denomination. Lots of people that we know. One of the young men that led in worship a few years back that was visiting, two of his sons were in that school. Um, We rejoice in hope. We mourn. We grieve. We bury children. And yet Christians are a people of hope. We know that God is writing this story and the ending, and he has promised. We are a people of hope. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it in The Weight of Glory, his essay. He says, you've never had a conversation with a mortal. Never had a conversation with a mortal. All souls are moving towards two destinations. One is so grotesque, you would have nightmares if you saw it. And one is so glorious, you'd be tempted to worship the glorified people who inhabit it. Christians, we are a people of hope, even amidst tears. Now, I want to close by talking about longings and guarantees. We have a longing for glory. We have a longing to be allowed not just into a beautiful farm home, but really into glory. And, and what's been painted for us is, is uh, heaven. Uh, sometimes what's painted is, is not this picture of something that m- me, especially as a young boy, was really excited about. Um, there's St. Peter. He's standing there, and he's got that book, and um, he's going to decide. Um, but really, what we long for is more like the garden. What we long for is what the scriptures say, we will inhabit a new heaven and a new earth. The old will be taken away and all will be made new. And we with glorified bodies will behold the Lamb of God. We won't be afraid. When they talk about an imagery that the streets are of gold, what is it saying? Everything that is so, so precious to us uh, doesn't have that power and allure when we're with the kingdom of God. Now, I tell you that everybody longs for that. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, we long for that. We long for an existence, a place of of great beauty and glory and peace. But our longings don't mean it's going to happen. right? Because it's something we desire doesn't mean it's going to happen. In the same manner that a human being, especially if I go too long, starts to get hungry. Right? We roll around, it's 1 o'clock, people looking at their, their watch, the kids are starting to cry. You know, right? there, there's that longing. But truly, the longing for food doesn't mean you're going to get fed. It just means you were created as a being that had certain needs and longings. And I'm going to tell you, the longing for glory and place and peace, God put that in us. And we, we try to find it with all these things that wear out that we think once this happens or once that happens, we're going to have it. And then we get mad at God. And I'm going to just tell you, uh, the, the longings are God-given. But even those longings don't guarantee that they'll be met. And yet the justified people of God will have those longings met. And so a Christian in existence for however many years you're on this planet are wondering at times why this isn't enough or that isn't enough or my church isn't as great as it should be. And people, there is a longing for everything to be made right. And he promises that we will be there.
And so we are a people of hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gospel. And we thank you, Lord, even in the writing of the apostle. All throughout this remainder of Romans, he will say, having been justified, he will always keep bringing us back and reminding us, we are the children of God. We are. Whether we feel like it or not at times, those who have repented of their sins and surrendered their lives to you belong to you. And Jesus says there is nothing that will take them out of my Father's hand. Because it's not based on what we've done. It's based upon what he's done. We now set aside these elements, this bread and this cup, that our souls might be nourished, that we too would be a people of great hope. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.